Constructing your life is about much more than just building a bank account. Each week, join real estate entrepreneur and mindset coach Austin Linney as he interviews guests who are constructing their dream lives and impacting the world around them on a daily basis. If you're an entrepreneur or wanting to start a business, or you just want to hear motivating stories of how others have overcome the odds, you are in the right place. And now for your host, Austin Linney. Guys, welcome back to Construct Your Life. This is Austin Lenny here, and I have, I don't even even call him his first name because uh, what these call is way cooler than that, Moby. Uh, <laughs> so how are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, Austin. Thanks for having me. Yep, Steve Moby Leach. I, uh, Steve Moby. I got to hear I, about I became, this. Yeah. I became a Moby um, on March 27th. I became a grandfather. Um, okay. So that ended up being, um, our daughters decided that my, um, grandfather's name was going to be Moby um, because obviously swimming ocean and um, and I guess they didn't like chum or bait as uh, options for grandfather's <laughs> so yeah I, mean, I don't know, um, I don't know. maybe the, the kids like that maybe but not, <laughs> not the adults so uh, so what yeah. I like to do with my guests is, is let them share their story and kind of start where they want to and we'll go from there yeah, so my story, gosh, you just asked me, Greenville, South Carolina, like, how did I go from Scotland to here? So really quick overview. Um, my mom and dad came to the United States in 1966 from Scotland. My dad went to Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. Back in the day when you flew a, a twin prop plane to Greenland, refueled, and then went over to America. You know, it wasn't a direct flight. Um, and... Uh, got connected, they got connected back then with in the Southwest Michigan, Chicago land area, um, all around the lake there. And that's how um, we met a lot of people, but I came to, through one of the families came to swim um, at Clemson in 1991. And, um, you know, background of my story, I, I drugs, um, drugs weren't, really in my life then but alcohol was definitely in my life mm -hmm. uh, swimming mm -hmm. and freshman year grades bombed out on grades uh, I wasn't very good at sitting in classrooms with 300 people and having a lecture regurgitate information on me mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. this wasn't, mm -hmm. it wasn't me um, and mix that with the coach back then I just did not mesh with and started just hiding and that really started like this cycle in my life of um, hiding and, and I would say this started my addiction. Um, so Clemson got here. Um, then after Clemson 95, uh, went back to Scotland, trained with a master chef, did a culinary degree over there and um, started to hide in kitchens uh, for about 15 years. Um, because, you know, you work 10 to 12, 14, 16 hours a day you can hide from the world and your problems and then you go out every night um and i just uh i really hid from who i was what i was I had no like just work either worked myself to death or drank myself to death um mm -hmm. and then um got to i was in the upstate and somehow like started again flowing around to cook for different people and thought I was like this big thing you know um and opened up a restaurant in Spartanburg that when the economy crashed we had opened a 
a year before the economy crashed. Mm-hmm. So lost everything, lost my identity, lost um, all the backers, hit rock bottom in 2010, mm-hmm. found myself under a tree in a rest area, which at that time I thought was Tennessee, it was actually in Kentucky. Um, mm-hmm. And just kind of turned my life over to God and said, okay, I'm done running. And that started the process of me getting clean, sober. Um, but I lost everything, lost my family, lost my businesses. Uh, no, I mean, $55 in my pocket, yeah. no, no insurance in the car, no tags on the car, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt, tens of thousands to the IRS, um, mm-hmm. you know, just, just a solid solid rock bottom you did, you did good job yeah before you before you continue on with the story how long have you been sober um so off drugs drugs around 2010 around then um mm-hmm. and then alcohol i don't really remember i think it was like 2011 maybe 2012 okay you ready yeah. you ready yeah. okay watch 20 years functioning alcoholic I was in my first two years was addicted to meth and cocaine was homeless. And I spent 20 years in the restaurant business as a chef and wine hiding in restaurants. Yeah. I mean, so here's the thing. I, uh, people see coincidence. I see providence, you know, like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, I just sit here and I'm going, is he reading my story? What is going on? I just on? saw your face. You went, I, know. I love it. It's just because, I hire a lot of, so my, my rule is there's three people I'll hire yesterday, ex-Marine, ex-Recovery, and New Yorkers, right? Okay. Uh, and the reason is, is that when you come back from where you and I came from, the joy to be alive is so oh. much greater. Every morning. Because friends, friends didn't, friends didn't make it out, wow. right? And, and so you, when you come to grips with your own sobriety and, and what you mentioned, like, when you said you lost everything, you said it perfectly. You lost your identity. There you go. It's not the quitting drinking is not the hard part. It's reshaping your entire identity and who you hang out with and what your life. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, um, I would say the, the year two to year, no, year one to year four is really hard. Yeah. You know, well, I'm, on, I'm five, I'm five years in January. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like you, I, I don't know your story. So I could take a quick read, but you know, that first year you're like, yeah, I'm going to do this, you know, you know, and it's like, okay, I'm going to perform. I'm doing so good. Everyone thinks I'm cool. Like, you know, and, um, but then you have no friends, you have no credit, you have no money. And I see a lot of people going into self-isolation in that point. And I just, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to create a framework that I can, that I can manage. Cause I never went to rehab. I never went uh, by the grace of God. So don't, don't hear that. I'm saying, yeah. I that. So, yeah. um, there's that, there's people around me. God is definitely in control of this, but I, um, started working my faith first, you know, mm-hmm. or works my faith. And then I worked on my physical you know, like getting healthy again, because I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm fat. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure I've destroyed every organ in my body. Um, mm-hmm. Let's start working on the physical. Then it was like relational. Like, who am I going to be as a husband, a father, a friend, 
a business associate? Like who, mm-hmm. who am I going to be? Like who does God want me to be? And I started mm-hmm. working through all those things then to drive the financial, like where was I going to go? Um, but I tell you, year seven, man, I realized I rebuilt everything on guilt and shame. Oh. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> dude i look i yeah, i'm gonna say something to you so my coach at the time who helped me get through my divorce and my sobriety had helped men for years right 18 plus years yeah. about six months into my sobriety he goes hey pardon my french he goes hey asshole he goes get off your high horse just because you got sober doesn't mean everybody else does shut your mouth yeah 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 so i like i'm struggling even with that right now now, like the last few years, I've been screaming from the rooftops about sobriety, not as a not as a crutch, but like, I I just, so there, there's a few things I, I, I want to help. Like I coach entrepreneurs on doing endurance sports, and we'll get into the why behind that, you know, because I believe like there's a physical thing that you need to be pushing yourself mm-hmm. as, a, as a husband, as a father, as an entrepreneur, like you need to push yourself physically. That way you can handle the 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 business is going to push you your family is going to push you so like understanding those rules but um i you know i really i'm like i'm starting to realize like i want to help the sober curious that mm, like what that's super interesting right because you know what did it for me we're really like through it well first i got i got first i gotta tell you my joke okay first i gotta tell you my joke so we're in a business meeting. There's eight people around the conference table, right? And I bust out an eight ball of cocaine and I do it all. And they go, oh, Austin's out of his fucking mind. You know, blah, 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 right? And then that same guy drinks a 12 pack of beer and they go, oh no, Austin just likes beer, right? It's amazing how we rationalize, right? So what I find the most exciting is sober curious, right? And, and, and here's, I coach a lot of people through this who I'm not asking you to quit drinking. I'm just asking you, could you skip a day? Could you skip a day and see what happens to you? And here's the problem though. When you skip, things come in. Maybe your marriage is not exactly like you wanted to. Maybe you don't love your job. Yeah. And then you're like, then, then you have to wake up to what the life you create too, yeah. right? So that's where a lot of people turn back around, right? Hey, what's on your bucket list? Do you think you can do that if you keep drinking? Yes, that's a good point. That's a great, that's a great, because that's something somebody can be excited about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so do you think that um, your wife likes smelling your breath in the morning when it smells like whiskey? <laughs> uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. Does she? Do, do, dude, that's, dude does she, it's, do, such a, it's such a good question because it's so real. It's so real, right? Is it, you know, when it's coming out of your pores, how how does how do you think she feels about that on Monday morning? Oh, she don't care. She's got red stained lips from wine. Really? She probably only had one. Because mm-hmm. she's she's got to keep an eye in the house, you know, because she knows you're not in control. That's a good point. So when you were laying underneath that tree, and you were in all that debt. How do we get here today? Yeah. Slowly. 
and patient and, and patient, um, aggressive patience, really. Like I, I, I started pushing and building. Actually, you know, let me back up. You know what really got me there? I met up with a spiritual formator around beginning of 2012. And um, he was, he, he taught me, like we would go out, <laughs> it's going to sound really weird. And it was awesome. Um, we would go out and sit in the woods. We might talk. We might not. We'd just sit there. And at first, you know, the first five minutes, I'm like, I'm like I'm in a glass enclosure. Like, oh, I want to get out. Like, I, my mind was just racing. And it was so uncomfortable. Then, through this process, it was about three, four months of, you know, once a week. You know, and then I would I would go out myself and, and go sit. But just sitting in my feelings with no mask, no numbness, no nothing, and just started talking to God. And like, and uh, I think that an impactful statement was, do you take all your baggage to God and talk to him? And uh, I was like, he doesn't want to hear me whine. And he goes, well, what kind of relationship is that? Mm -hmm. He already knows the good stuff, so why are you telling him the good stuff? If he knows everything, then why don't you tell him the good stuff and the bad stuff and have a relationship? So I started this process of just talking. And I think mm -hmm. that was really kind of like my AA meeting, if you will. Mm -hmm. Like I started talking and, and mm -hmm. moving through things and, and going down through the layers of like, what was my base level? And my base level was fear of not fitting in. <sighs> I was like, just had this awful fear of not fitting in. Fast forward 13 years, I'm like, now I'm really scared of fitting in. <laughs> it's the opposite. Yeah, it's not, like it, it's not like it went away. It just means that we become more comfortable with it, right? <laughs> I don't want to fit in with anyone. <laughs> Society you know, it's, is crumbling. It's, it, you know, when you say like, you know, when you sit in the forest, right? It sounds so like, it's like relative, right? Oh, you're sitting in the forest, it's not a big deal. But what you're actually, what you were describing is like some people's torture, right? The, 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 it's almost like it's suffocating them because their entire life is filled up with reasons and distractions on why they can't do anything. Not to, not to deal with themselves. So that, I think that's the, the biggest tool was like learning how to deal with Steve so then Steve can determine who I was created to be for what was my purpose and then kind of like go out and, and feel comfortable, be comfortable in conversations or being comfortable, ready for this, be comfortable walking into a wedding, walking straight yes. up to the open bar and going, I need sparkling water, I need a rocks class with just lots of lime. And they're like, well, we don't have sparkling water. I said, either you guys can go get a couple bottles and I pay you for it. I'm going to the gas station. I'm bringing it across to you. I you tell me what works for you. And they're like, uh, well, and because I didn't bring my passport. And I make a joke. I'm like, I didn't bring my passport. And if you, I start drinking without a passport, I don't know what's going to happen. So, and every time they'll be like, sparkling water shows up in an instant, you know? The two things that I had to get over, that was my Mount Everest, that once I did, I knew I was never going back, 
I had to learn how to celebrate business deals without drinking, like Ooh. celebration with closing a deal, and then going on vacation title. without title to that. Yeah, yeah, and and also I learned had to learn how to vacation without going without drinking, right? And I went for ten days to Costa Rica and I drank non-alcoholic beer, you know, not perfect, but when I did that, I was like, oh, I don't need, I, I'm good, I don't need to drink again. It was like, well, what I tell everybody all the time is like, be careful taking your new you on the road until you master it at home. Right. You know, because you want to know what's crazy because I'm, I'm, I guess I'm a glutton for punishment. I was, I'm a master bartender. I sold wine for 20 years. When I got sober, I was still the bar manager that created all the drinks. So I created drinks for eight months by smell and I didn't drink. What? I came out of three months of that spiritual formation, went back as a daytime bartender. Because it was the only thing I could get hired as. And I didn't I didn't want to work full time, so they let me work part-time. But the owner of the boutique hotel was like, So when are you gonna be a manager? I'm like, no, nah, I'm just cool kind of doing this. You know, I just I'm gonna ease in things. So I'm daytime bartending. And like, they're like, Well, can you smell this? Can you and I'm like, No, I'm good, man. You guys figure it out. Like, I, I never took a sip. Never took a sip. It was, you know, for you and I, right? It's what we did, right? So it's different when somebody's just drinking. Like, that was my life. Like, I went to Napa. I went to France. Like, so that was what I did. Yeah. I think, in me personally, and I've never thought about this until right now I'm having this conversation. I swear this thought's never crossed me. I think it was the only way that, that we knew we could be okay. Because that was so much of our life. If I had a day off, I was drinking at 10. I was with one of my reps who would take me to free tastings. So I think the only way that we could quit was to face it directly because that was so part of who we were. Go back into the cave and face mm -hmm. the demon. I mean, face the dragon, like whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that also yeah, I ended up becoming a manager of those boutique hotels, but it it was the way for me to exit the restaurant industry after 19 years on uh, a high note. And I was like, dude, I, I got I, so I got to tell you the story, dude. Life, just you, you talk about faith, weird stuff. So I was, I started a company that I finally left the restaurant business after 20 years. Hmm. Uh, started it. We, we're off to the races, our own company all across the country. We were killing it. We got four months in and uh, me and one of the partners started going sideways on each other and there was no money. Still don't know where the money was to this day. We were making a bunch, but there was no money. Doesn't matter. Long story short, I decided to exit that partnership and basically lit $30,000 on fire just to walk away because I didn't want to be around this person anymore and I didn't want to be involved. The next day after doing that and kind of dealing with this new reality, we had the two year anniversary of the food hall where I used to work. I used to come up with all the drinks and I said, look, I got nothing to do today. Let me go down there. I said, let me go say hi, hi to everybody. And that's how I'll spend the day and get to meet some customers. And everything. So you're talking about 26 acre complex. I ran the food hall. I parked in the parking garage. I'm walking down. There's big glass doors. You could see inside, you could see the bar. I see all my former employees there and the old manager. As I go to reach the handle of the door, 
a voice came into my head and said, that's not you anymore. Walk away. And I let go of the handle. I turned around. As soon as I turned around, my phone rang. It was a guy that I knew for 15 years that I hadn't talked to in six years. and said, hey, man, are you by chance in between any jobs right now? Can you come work for me at my PE firm? Lending money to real estate investors. I know you already do that. He goes, you start in two weeks. I said, yeah, sounds good. Let's do that. It was just like, I couldn't, like, it was so wild. Crossroads. It's the crossroads. Yeah. It's the crossroads. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, yeah. The number of crossroads that you hit and you're like, you want to grab the handle? Hmm. Yeah. And, 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 and for you, for you as your, um, you know, everybody asks me all the time, what's your rock bottom moment? I'm like, I don't know. I had like 20 of them. So I wouldn't know, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't know. What I told you, you know? seems like the rock yeah, bottom. Yeah. But, 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 for, but for you, can you, can you highlight one of those crossroad moments for yourself? Um, like b before getting sober after 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 um not when it came to drug and alcohol like i was done i was really really done how about um, a crossroad moment with yourself not drugs and alcohol crossroad moment with myself i have a lot of those where i'm like oh this seems like a good idea and, and then i'm like it's just shiny and just a distraction um I think the biggest crossroad of a moment I've had this year, and this is this is a good one. Um, we had we had flown out to Hawaii in April. Um, my wife and I and um videographer Herschel um to swim my first of the seven oceans. Um mm -hmm. last summer, um my, my dad passed away, and two months before that, my my sister, not biological, but my sister passed away from ALS, and I was sitting up in Michigan, and I looked to my, my bride, my wife, and I said, um, I know we don't have English Channel till 2024, and I know we've got a plan for 2025, but um, I'm going to go up to the house, and I'm going to book Hawaii for next year. And she's like, what? I said, I've got to take it down. I, I, I can't take life for granted. ALS took Laura down in two, two years, two and a half years. And, um, you know, my dad got 10 extra years after the Widowmaker, um, you know, he passed. And I was just like, I, I, I'm not guaranteed next year and the year after and the year after. So I'm just going to start moving, you know. And uh, so we get out to Hawaii and like there's just all these confirmations that we're going to be out there because everything's going wrong. We're raising money for foster children to get um, mental health counseling um, to help pay their bills. Like. It, it just things were not going right. Timing was off and everything. Everything we expected kind of just was a little shaky. Um, until the morning of the the captain says, yeah, we can go today, which I thought we should have gone the day before, personally, but whatever. Um, and he goes, yep, fly over to Molokai. So we fly from Maui to Molokai. It's Easter Sunday. So there's no one, there's no rental car open there's no taxis there's no nothing we have this local guy pick us up 
he's got a 22 it's 10 o'clock in the morning he's got a 22 ounce tall boy and they uh drive him no seatbelt always mail over he's that he's an islander and uh it was great like we we went to this website and it, it drops us off about two hours later i get this call from one of the kayakers on the captain's boat because they're coming from oahu over to molokai mm-hmm. and miles leaves me a message saying hey we're coming out of panamu bay and it's really big we've got a lot of white caps i don't honestly feel like it's safe to bring you across the channel tonight um you know but we'll get back to you and kind of hangs up and i was like okay lord i'm here I've walked in faith. I've taken a step. I'm going to call him back. And I called him back and I said, put Captain Buckton on FaceTime. So he called on FaceTime. I said, hey, you're the captain. You make the call. But I need you to know one thing. I will go. I will go today if you say it's safe enough for everybody else to go because, you know, I'm swimming. And he goes, it's going to be smoke, but I think we can do it. I was like, okay, let's go. So we go out in 21 knot winds, 48 foot swells. We leave at six o'clock on Easter Sunday from Molokai, West Molokai. And um, I end up getting this super fast swim, 12 hours, 54 minutes across the, the channel because mm-hmm. we're just getting blow, like the current's just taking us, but we're getting swiped. And it was just, you know what? You know what did it? You know what? I was so certain it was for me to go. One was my faith, and two was if I can drop my kids off after divorce, which is the most painful thing I've ever done in my life. I can do that if I can make it through that and still have a relationship with them. If I can get back up after a drug and alcohol addiction and rebuild a life. If I can get remarried and have a marriage that works, where we're like blending a family and nothing's perfect nothing's perfect we're constantly working through things if i can do all that then you know what i can swim this channel tonight i can swim this channel tonight and i had a choice right there to, to say no you're right we can cancel this and we'll try and go tomorrow night or the next night but i was like no i'm going to step out in faith i'm going to go and um man I started puking at an hour and a half into the swim. Didn't tell anyone. I, I didn't tell them. It was so rough. And this is a 13-hour swim. I'm, I'm planning on 16 hours. I'm an hour and a half in, and I'm projectile vomiting on my body. Oh, my God. I got electrocuted by the shark shield by accident because as a tail off the back of the kayak, he got pushed off, hits me in the chest. Pitch dark. That was a little scary. Again, Portuguese man of war stings all over. Um, we almost get hit by a rogue fishing boat in the middle of the night, came within 50 feet of me. Um, and I wouldn't change anything for the world because that was easier than what I had to deal with an addiction and beating addiction and rebuilding my life and, and working on having a relationship with my kids. You know, and people go, how can you even compare? I'm like, 94 people in the world have done that swim. I was like, yeah, but foster children don't choose to be in the position they're in. They don't choose to be in that position. and they, They've got to keep going. And I'm going to keep going. 
I have so much to unpack there, but yeah. I, I don't even know what to think. Uh, I gave you but, a fast, like, but, 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 but what's more important is what you said at the end. My, my fiance was in foster care. Mm -hmm. um, Are you my twin brother? Like if we, okay. I, <laughs> what is happening? I mean, we got the same, we got the same hair. It's the whole thing. Uh, it's two things that she taught me. It wasn't a marriage that didn't serve me for a really long time. Um, there's two things she taught me. One, I'm actually lucky that I don't have parents because they didn't put any of their bullshit limiting beliefs on me and I get to be who I am, which is holy shit, mind blown. And the second thing that she taught me was that rain's just as beautiful as sunshine. Mm. And when I hear of your story of swimming across the ocean, and I'm sure there's other ones that I, I can't wait to learn more about all that stuff. I think the thing that people have it twisted when they meet people like you and I, that we come from where we came, is that they think that we're always jovial and we nothing scares us. And what they don't understand is probably in that 12 hour swim or plus, there's probably 57 times that you wanted to stop, if not more, but you just didn't give in to the feeling, right? And that's what they think. Oh, you just wake up and it's all positive and rainbows. No, no, every day I doubt myself, but I'm not going to, I'm not gonna let it stop me. And that's what I'd imagine the conversations, you know, cause you're spending a lot of time with, your, with yourself. You know, um, I've, met, I've, I've coached a lot of people who were ultra marathon runners. And I think at one point you probably run the bullshit out of your head. I would say at some point you probably swim the BS out of your head too, don't you? Yeah, you you have fun till it's not fun anymore. Yeah, and then yeah. how do you keep going though when it's yes. not fun anymore? So at four, just over four hours, um, the kayakers switch out every two hours. And there's two of them. Like these guys race the channel. Um, uh, one of them got so sick he couldn't kayak for five hours. That's how mm -hmm. it works. Mm -hmm. But if four hours, four and a half hours, somewhere in there, um, I'd enjoyed the bioluminescence through my hands. I'd enjoyed the stars, like no light pollution, like trillions of stars. Um, but I, I had no nutrition left in me. I couldn't even keep water down. Um, as I said, stung a few times. The waves might push me, but then they would crash over me and put me a, a foot underwater, a foot and a half, you know, whatever. And I just turned the kayak there and I said, because I was humble enough to turn to the guy that's leading me and ask for help. Just mental help. Like, hey, man, I just don't know. <laughs> you know? And he's like, are you thinking of quitting? I'm like, no, I just don't know. Mm -hmm. And he goes, he says something really good. He goes, this is why it's called a challenge. It's why so few people have finished this. I mean, at that point, it was 93 people. And I yeah. said, hey, I'm just going to go swim more. I'm going to have a little prayer. And then we'll talk. And he goes, okay. So I prayed. And I was like, hey, Lord, I ask in Jesus' name for you to calm the seas. Don't really know why he didn't answer my prayer. Uh, <laughs> and he just said, hey, Steve. I never said I calm the seas. I said I calm you in the sea. And oh. that, I was like, oh, hold, oh, on. Oh. hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. 
<laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Could you say that again? Could you say I, that again? He says, so Steve, I never promised to calm the seas. I promised to calm you in the seas. Mm. Wow. Wow. It's weighty. Yeah, that is. It, it just sums up so much. Mm -hmm. It just sums up so much, right? Because the, the, the personal chaos that we create is most of our own doing, right? One of the things I'm on right now is that nothing matters in the answers. The only thing that gets you to where you want to go in life is the questions. Ooh, nice. The answers are made up anyway. So if you don't ask, if you don't internally look and lean into your faith and who you are as a person, and you don't ask the right questions out of yourself, how the hell do you expect other people to ask questions? How do you expect to lead them? How do you expect to lead yourself? You don't you know? Know and, and, how can you lead anyone? And we're not perfect, right? And I think, you know, I'm I'm nine months into CEO of a, you know, buying an existing business. I've had other businesses before, never had this many employees. And what I realized the other day is that the only thing that matters is, is the controlling of your emotions in the midst of utter chaos. Because that's what this is. This is utter chaos. My dad did this for 40, 46 years. He's out of his mind. I'm like, I told him, I told him on week one, I called him. I said, I take back every mean thing I ever said to you. You were doing this while you were raising me? Are you out of your mind? Like, you know, and it's like, it's amazing till you see it, right? It's the same thing I'm going to feel when I have kids for the first time, right? I'm going to be like, oh God, all you guys on the podcast were telling me. <laughs> but, but it's so true, right? Because you, you did have the choice. Right, the choice was yours to stop. All I had to do was touch the boat. Yeah, I keep touch going. Go. Mm -hmm. I can't control the waves. I can't control the current. I can't control the jellyfish. I can't control the sharks. I can't control um, my nutrition. I can, like I, I, I can only work through the problems. Mm -hmm. And um, and and you know when you go that deep into the pain cave, it's. I think, I think here's the other thing. People go and do events like a marathon to determine, to see what they're made of, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, so I would look at it differently. I do an event like that as confirmation of what I've done in the process and who I've, you know, spiritually, physically, relationally, where am I? If I if I'm, you know, when I'm you're, getting out of you're bed, chasing you're chasing the edges of, of of your next version of yourself, right? You're that's such it's such a power. You're saying yeah. you're saying the accomplishment of the thing is not the thing. It's the the work I've done to get to the thing, and then we finish that, and put the, a bow on it, and then we go to the next one. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, you know, I'm just, just you know, I get, do you know, I get Jesse Isler. You know, Jesse Isler is Jesse Isler. Do you know who that is? Yeah, Isler for sure. Yeah, yeah. He he always mm -hmm. tells people, I didn't the race, the race day. That's nothing. 
He goes, that's just something I do that other people see. He goes, it's all the stuff that you don't see. The hours. And that's what you're doing. Um, if people want to, I mean, I want to learn more about this, but if people want to learn more about your swims and what you're doing and everything you're about, how would they, where do they go to uh, hunt down that information? Yeah. So I can send you a link to everything, but Steve, Steve, um, um, also got a YouTube channel. Just look up Steve Moby Leach. Got a little trailer on there right now. Okay. The trailer for the documentary coming out. What month are we in? We're almost in October. So it should be out maybe November. Um, I can't wait. And that documentaries um, really to, again, we want to do, and this is nothing happens by accident. We um, we have two swims next summer, English Channel and North Channel within a month of each other, which is um, slightly uncommon, very uncommon. Mm -hmm. uh, and then year after that, we've got a, a big amount of swims in 2025, but we want, we're starting a nonprofit because we want to build long-term sober living communities in the upstate of South Carolina. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I, I give up. I can't. <laughs> so we want to build ranches where people can get sober and restart their life. So yeah, done. So that's, so that's, so that's beautiful. Yeah. That's, that's it. Build the ranch, then they go into transitional housing, but where do they go from mm -hmm. there? Mm -hmm. we, that year two to five, if you yeah, don't have a thousand percent system. Well, I think, did you see uh, Iron Cowboys documentary? Wow, oh, uh, I, I kind of watched it. What was it, 100 triathlons? Yeah, 100, 100, 100, 100 Iron and Mans in 100 days. 101. He, he got ticked he's off. An animal. He finished with he's an animal, animal, right? Yeah, and 14 peaks. Like, I watch stuff like that. And I'm just like, and I, I know I'm going to feel the same way about yours, right? Because you, you're not... You, you're not going into that swim inspiring. You're going in for your personal journey. But the tail of that swim and the and the ripple effects for pun intended, the ripple effects of the water and the inspiration is going to be felt for years to come. Right. Yeah. And and that's why it's so exciting to me is that the moment I realized in my sobriety when I stopped telling people what to do and I just showed people what to do by being the best version of myself, everything changed. And that's what you're doing out there, right? And um, yeah, I mean, we might as well be twins. I don't even know what to think anymore right now, but uh, I'm so excited. Yeah, to this is just the start of something to as far as I see. <laughs> dude, I tell you what, uh, dude, it's... Um, Everything I have is because of this, not everything I have, but a large portion of where I am and what I've created and the people I've met is because of the podcast. And I've stopped worrying about what it means and just showing up. Right. And I think the moment that you do that in life in general, um, amazing stuff happens when you stop trying to force and you just let things happen the way they are. And, and I'm so excited uh, that we got to meet because I think there's a lot of similarities, right? One of the concerns I have um, is the restaurant business, right? It, it, it just churns people out and they're still going to the same bars that I left 15 years ago. And I'm just like, dude, at some point, you know, 25 and 
26 is kind of cute. If you're 45 and doing the same thing, 46, 50, and still doing the same things, I think we need to talk about maybe maybe changing the environment just a touch, you know. And uh, it's exciting when people reach out to me from back in my past. I'm actually coaching a client right now I met 20 years ago. And we worked together 20 years ago in the restaurant business. He's a so salesman funny. now, and and, and uh, he's getting sober. And it's just, it's so cool. I just love it. It's the best. Yeah, I mean, it's you just it's just being the conduit. Mm-hmm. You know, I just want to be the conduit and, yeah. and uh, have people um, point them in the right direction, um, mm-hmm. even if it's you know not with me or with somebody else or whatever. But um, I think there's a big movement in sobriety right now. Thousand, without, it, oh, I, I could be wrong. No, no, no. It's the weirdest thing because I, I, I talk to a lot of high-level entrepreneurs, like people that own businesses, multiple business, private equity. It's where, it's where I live. Big time. Big time. I mean, just really putting it down, um, you know, changing their focus. You know, I'm very excited about where we're going. Um, it sucks because I'm still romantic about, you know, meeting the guy in Scotland who makes whiskey. I, I still think that you know, farmers that make wine, I think it's the coolest thing in the world, but just not using it for the reasons that people have for years, I think is, is, is what I'm seeing. And I'm super excited to see kind of that progression. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't ever preach it on anybody, but, but, but I'm excited to see that people are maybe throttling it down a touch and then we'll see where that goes from there, which is exciting to me. So meanwhile, I'm like, can we start a sober revolution? Yes. Thousand percent. Let's let's start a mindset sober revolution and let's change the world, right? You know, so uh, it's just a militant, you know. <laughs> yeah. So one more time, if people want to follow you and, and see yeah, stuff, so you, do you can find me on Facebook, Steve Moby Leach. Uh, there's a couple of different pages: business page, personal page. Um, Steve, like Steve Moby Leach, you can Google me. You'll find all my stuff. Um, I coach. I speak. I'll come coach at coaching events. Um, yeah. Um, but. Uh, we dabble in real estate, um, which has nothing to do with really my passion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking to, if you're looking to just find, not find your potential, but do something to push yourself as an entrepreneur, you're like, you know what? My life is just missing something right now. Whether it be um, a Spartan, a marathon, an endurance race or whatever. I really use that as a kind of a gateway to, looking at your entire life and helping you determine what needs to change. And, you know, over the course of last week, 12, 14 months, I've had five clients quit drinking because they started focusing on other things and realizing this isn't serving me. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not serving me. It's not serving my wife. It's not serving my kids. It's not, you know, I want to do something different. And, um, and that's really what I do, but also, we're going into huge fundraising mode um, at the end of this year to, to really fundraise for these communities, fundraise for the swims coming up um, to get the word out that um, sober living communities are needed and mental health counseling for foster children is needed because DSS are an incredible job that they're doing. They're so understaffed, can't get the paperwork fast enough. You know, kids are getting moved around all the time. So upstate of South Carolina working with Miracle Hill to help fund fund those um, kind of opportunities for foster families. Yeah, 
I got a I got a woman I'm gonna meet you. She runs all the mental help and addiction for the state of Ohio. Mm-hmm. I'm having lunch with her next week. Uh, met her on the podcast as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, yeah, I think there's a, I think there's a movement here, and I'm, I'm super excited to be a big or small part of it. I think it's super important. So guys, if you got some value from this episode and you want us to do to a friend, share it around, and we'll see you next time.